miss you all tonight. Matt, I miss you playing up here. Matt, I got to call you out. <laughs> we appreciate your voice, man. Come over. Sing for me. We got Jay here today. Jay Johnson. Good to see you. When I heard his name, I said, Jay who? <laughs> and we got another Jay Johnson. Amen. Tonight I've been praying that uh, the Word of God will uh, really touch your heart and build faith in you tonight and uh, open your eyes to things in the scripture, things that we cannot see. And uh, sometimes we only feel them. And some people can spend their whole life not knowing that these things exist. We're going to be going into dealing with some of these things uh, tonight. But the main trust is to let you know, as a Christian, you have so much power. I pray that God will begin to reveal this to you. We have so much power that God has given to us. Now, I think he got it to a stage in my life long time now where I guess initially just being so afraid of demonic forces. I got a call today um, from a girl that a demon actually pushed her from my bed. And every time they mention the name of this, they hear this sound in the room. You know, this is America, yeah? And uh, she's very scared. Never seen that before. But these things are here. And um, I've talked about this before. Some of these things are not mentioned, but these things are going on. And the church is totally aware, unaware of. Some of us are... You heard a lady that actually testified here. She was raped by a demon. I mean, it was here when she testified. Now, remember? Yeah. And she's free, and God's using her to free people now because she's received instruction of exactly what to do. So these things do exist. But God's doing things among us. Uh, on Sunday, we prayed for a la uh, lady here. Her hands were shaking so bad. And wouldn't stop shaking, and she hurt. And uh, okay, we pray. We're gonna pray. God's going to make the hand. I mean, she was. I think somebody. I think it was Michael that said. Well, I thought maybe she had brand new ring or something because she stopped right there. The the pain and the itch, whatever was going on, the doctors cannot really determine what's going on. God just in a few seconds, it was all over. And she was screaming and rejoicing here at the altar. We have a child. Uh, that we're hearing that uh, when John was here, was healed of autism, total reversal. There's nothing that's impossible with God. And God's doing it among us, and that's the funny thing. We're not paying close attention. It's like what Jesus said. Didn't you remember the five loaves that fed 5,000? <laughs> Didn't you remember the four loaves? How come you don't realize uh, I wasn't talking about bread? Then, they, oh, we got it now. <laughs> you see, these things come to us and we don't, we don't stop to think about the fact that God's in our midst. And that God can do stuff for us. So, the message tonight is the power to heal and to cast out demons. And this was started off last week. Uh, please stand up. I didn't forget. <laughs> you guys were waiting, okay. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. He said, last week I said that demons are here to enforce the curse. 
and we'll talk about the curse. Demons enforce the curse. The curse. So if God, God doesn't work the curse in a man's life, though God does no evil. But once the door is open, the demons will come in. They are always looking for a place to manifest themselves, a place uh, to express, to use the word express themselves. And if there is a door open, God's out of it because of something, they move in immediately. You remember the story of the, uh, the demoniac who says, you know, if you cast us out, please, let's go into pig. Give us a permission to go into these pigs. Yeah. They just cannot be outside. They have to be in flesh and blood. Uh, because this is the earth. Let me give you understanding. You see, you cannot express yourself unless you are flesh and blood on the earth. This is not a place for spirits. They're limited. So God's always looking for you to use on the earth. He needs you, flesh and blood, to agree with him so he can walk through you to do what he wants to do. But then you have to be in full agreement with him. So he speaks to you through people, through your dreams, through your thoughts, until you are willing and understand that he wants to use you and you are willing to step out and then these things happen. Satan wants to do the same. He is here tormented because this is not his realm. He doesn't like this, being around here. can't go back to heaven. Being here without flesh and blood, that's for the earth. You have to be flesh and blood. So they are constantly looking for a being to occupy so that they can express themselves. And there's no better being to express themselves on the earth more than than humans. We can talk, we feel, we can do all kinds of things. Think animals don't have a spirit. So it's better for men because they are spirit beings, right? So they occupy the flesh and they work with the human spirit. So we have to understand that. And so they are here uh, to enforce the curse. So if there is an open door, they come in. If God moved out, they move in. Remember what Jesus said, when an evil spirit is gone out of a man, he goes out walking on dry ground, tormented. If he can't find a place of rest, he goes back to the house. And if the house is clean and God cleaned it, but the person didn't put God in, he says, hey, uh, the last time I was driven out and uh, I don't want to be driven out. If they're going to drive me out this time, it's going to be a real fight. So he goes to get seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and seven of them now, I mean eight of them now, come in and dwell in the same, the same person. In other words, there are so many, these forces, there are so many, and always looking for opportunity to torment people. If it's a spirit of depression, you give him way, you got depressed. I know there is a mental part of it, uh, but I really don't understand all of it fully. But no matter what it is, God can heal it. Can I hear an amen? No matter what it is, God wants to express himself through you to do good. How Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit who went about doing good. What was he doing? Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. All who, so what we are saying is everyone that was sick, based on that scripture, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, they were all oppressed. Acts 10, 38, by the devil. So once you see it, notice what's going on. Look, let's think. In the world, Satan keeps bringing new things. When I first came to the United States, there was nothing like HIV. Okay? There was nothing like that. Nobody talked about it. It wasn't available. It wasn't aware. Where did it come from? Because Satan is a murderer. And wants to kill. But naturally, we want to see everything in the natural realm. We see it in the natural, so we are comfortable. Because if we think of it more and we don't know how to handle it, we get very afraid because it's out of, it's out of our control, right? And we like to have a little bit of control, you know. 
So that's what it is. But God giving us the power to enforce the blessing. Amen? We have been given the power to enforce the blessing. Jesus came from heaven with the blessing. If, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, it says, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So God filled His Son with blessings from heaven and brought the blessings here on earth. And then He emptied Himself from the cross with the blessing, okay? And took all of our troubles to Himself, tired with all of our troubles. Now He called us and He is saying, I'm going to empower you to go enforce the blessing." That's what we're supposed. That's our job, to enforce the blessing. That's doing good. We enforce the blessing. When we bless somebody, you are enforcing the blessing. Amen. Taking them out of the pain, whatever the, set, the enemy is doing for them. That's why God blesses you in return. When you, He gives to you and you give it out to to remove the pain of Satan's oppression in a person's life, especially when you make them. God says, I like you. <laughs> we can work together. <laughs> okay? You are helping me to, to enforce the blessing. So I'm going to bless you so you begin to enforce the, more, uh, the blessing. Is it making sense? So we have been called by God to enforce the blessing. And, and one of, you know, notice our uh, prayer request. Was it filled of two kinds of prayer requests for the most part? Sickness and financial problems. Right? These are the two major ones. Every, go anywhere. If they are reading test, uh, uh, a prayer request, we have other problems, okay? But primarily, is these two areas. These two areas. These are two enemies of God. Both of them. Both of them are enemies from, from God. And we haven't understood... This Sunday, I will start a message. I start uh, teaching on, uh, I call it kingdom keys, but the principles of the kingdom and, and some of the keys that we have and we ignore and are afraid to even test them because it's by faith. There is no guarantee on the other side. You just have to trust. And so we are afraid. We are really careful. We are like Peter. Well, he, Peter didn't do this, but says Peter, testing the water first to see if it will hold its weight because Jesus said to come, who oh, let me try it. Is it right? You know it's never going to get out of the boat, right? Testing the water that way. He just jumped into it. That's faith. Whenever you're doing this to try, you still don't have faith and God cannot respond. And the question he will ask always is, where is your how come you don't have faith? You see what I'm saying? You know, you hear that question, you think he's just making a statement. That's painful to God. Very painful. You understand what I'm saying? How come you don't trust me? That would be another word. How come you don't trust me? I told you. How come? That's very painful to him. I believe. It wasn't so, okay, I'm going to just make you all feel a little bad. Ah, where is your faith? No. It's something that's, can't you trust me that I can do this? All things are possible. I picture myself, I mean, picture in my mind, Jesus talking to the man that brought the boy that had epilepsy. And Jesus was asking him, if you look at that story carefully, you see Jesus was really looking for faith. And the way I, oh, I, the way I understand that was Jesus came from the Mount of Transfiguration and saw his disciples struggling and all kinds of noise going and people were talking. And he says, what's going on? And he said, well, the father spoke up. I mean, now you know he was frustrated, man. It's been one hour, two hours, they've been fighting with this demon. He wouldn't go. Father was frustrated and he was thinking, this thing will never go. My son is going to remain this way. They said this, these people can do it. And so he was talking to Jesus. Hey, I brought my boys to the, my boy to them and they couldn't cast out the devil. And he says, if you can do anything, you remember that? First, it was Jesus that talked to him and said, how long has it been? You wonder why 
he was talking to him because they had been doing all this stuff and Jesus showed up and talked to the disciples and then he, asked, he turned to the father how long has it been? why did he need to ask him that? but the reason for that is the man's faith had come down I, my faith would go down too if all the big preachers had prayed and nothing is happening <laughs> and I'm sitting there watching it I begin to think this is never going to solve this problem I'm going to die with this problem, right? The man's faith has come down. So Jesus had to awaken that faith. He said, how long has it been? And the father says, well, it's happened to him and this is what happens. He comes on him, he throws him down, he foams in the mouth. And then he said, if you can do anything, please help me. Then I, I see in my mind, Jesus walking there with, if I can do anything, the problem is yours. If you can believe, all things are possible. He goes, well, I believe. Help my unbelief. What was Jesus looking for? That level of faith. That's all he was looking for. The man's faith had gone down. And Jesus spoke to him. And when he casually said, Well, if you can believe all things, Oh, then faith way back up. Okay? And he was ready. And Jesus immediately turned to the boy. We have that authority. Let me go to the word. Matthew 10 verse 1. For everyone that Jesus calls, And you are called, and this is one of the issues. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you. The reason why many Christians are not functional the way Jesus will want them to, the way the Bible says, because they are not following. They are really not following. <laughs> they go on vacation from time to time when it comes to following. They go away for a while and then they come back. And that's not good enough. When the disciples followed, they followed. They left everything and they were with him constantly. And during those three years, we never heard the words from Jesus, Son, I'm making you. No. They were being made at that point, just following. Just as you follow, you're faithful, God's doing something. They were not aware that something was going on. They just followed. But you follow, that's your big job. He makes you. That's his job. And he will do his job faithfully. But he said this. When he had called the twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. So, when you are called right now, just as I'm looking at you, you have the power to cast out any demonic spirit. Because you, you, you were chosen by Christ just like he chose the disciples. Jesus made it clear, you didn't choose me, I chose you. No one can come to the Father except the, no one can come to me except the Heavenly Father draws him. So if you are a believer, God was the one that drew you to himself. You thought you were following that he, you, you know, you you heard the message and believed. No, it was God that called you. He says, I, I called you and I ordained you. In other words, I set you apart a minister. Everyone that's called is called a minister. And you have been given the power over unclean spirits. You can deal with them. You can handle them. Otherwise, the scripture wouldn't tell us this. You can deal with unclean spirits anytime they come. You allow, you know, this is what God taught me. Basically, it's my house, right? If you, if I, if you knock on the door and I let you in uh, uh, to stay and you are not taking care of my house the way I want, I can kick you out anytime I want. Right? I'll kick you out. Because if that, we'll come into that. All you have to do is give them quick notice and say your time is up and you got to go. And they know the law. They maintain the law. They told Jesus very clearly, have you come to destroy us before the time? So they know the time. They know the law and they follow the law. That's why if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Once you understand the principle behind it, you're free. They can't hold you back. Nobody can keep you down. Once you find out the truth from Jesus' word, they know they've lost you forever. There's nothing they can do. They have to leave. 
once you know the truth, that's what we talk about, the keys of the kingdom. Once you know those things, you can function. Now, it doesn't mean Satan won't fight back to see if you will let go of the truth based on what you see with your eyes. That's called temptation. I believe that you can be tempted with sickness, whether you receive it or not. I mean, you, I've heard stories, people coming happy, they're walking around, somebody looks at them and says, you look terrible. And they say, go to them, I do? I didn't know that. Are you okay? You sick or something? And they say, no, I, I don't feel like I'm sick. And then they walk around again, and another person looks at them, who had nothing with the first person, you look terrible. Guess what? I guess I feel terrible. <laughs> before long, they say, I, I, I need to go home. And before long, they're sick. I've heard stories like that. How many stories something like that? I heard stories like that. So when they say, you look terrible, why are you saying that? I'm not terrible. I'm fine. And keep, once you hear that, and you're not feeling terrible, if, get yourself strong inside, Anyone who says that again, no, quick, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm okay. Please don't say that. I'm fine. Because once you accept it, basically these forces of oppression, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, and they're looking for opportunity. You open the door, they're coming in. They're coming in. So he called the 12 disciples. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. So we have power to cast this unclean spirit out and to heal. So he also gave them power to heal, right? So power, the same power that casts out devil, you have the same power to heal. It's the same power. Not one power to cast out devil, another power to heal the sick. You can do both. The same power. He gave them power. I was the one. Did he have power in his hand? He said, please, you guys can receive the power now. How? He just spoke to them. Just like you're hearing tonight. From the word of God, right? He didn't give them anything tangible that they could hold on to. He just said it to them. I'm giving you authority. The Bible actually tells us what he did. And then they left. And guess what? They acted on what he told them. They acted on what he told them. Nothing was given to them physical. There was no physical thing given to them. All they heard was his, wo- his words. And they left and acted on what he told them. And said, Maybe they felt some electricity going through their body when he was talking. No. Nothing. All they heard was words. Words. The same words we're hearing. But until your spirit understands it, you won't act on it. And when you act on it, God will make sure. That's one thing I don't know. There's some scriptures I was reading this week. Every time you act on God's word, because the Bible says, He watches over His word to perform it. What that tells me is God's constantly watching. Especially when you have read the scripture... And you say, that's true, I'm going to act on it. God says, uh-oh, <laughs> that's me speaking. He's going to do something over there. You know, God doesn't want you to be disappointed. Because if you're disappointed in that first time, you'll get back in the boat. You understand what I'm saying? When you step out, the water is solid. Because God doesn't want you disappointed. He's watching His word. Come means come. You get out of the boat, he's solid. So I found out he never disappoints. He'll never disappoint you. Once you can obtain the boldness, the lack of fear, because you know and you care less, because you believe that God will act on his word, that's my major thing. Fight that fear. Once you step out, God takes over instantly. The same thing with praying in tongues. I've talked about this. You know, God will not permit you to say a word from your mouth that is not coming from the Holy Spirit. But you got to speak. You have to step out of the boat. I, I, I know that for sure. Everything is going to be. But if you are afraid 
and don't understand, nobody will make you even step out of that boat. You stay in the boat and tell Jesus, you come over here. We're okay. But he gave us authority to cast out devils and to heal what kinds of disease? All kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. But in our mind, it's easy. Oh, you got headache? <laughs> we can handle headache. But once we hear the C word, cancer, oh, brother. What did you say you yeah. have? Or if we see somebody in a wheelchair, oh, wow. Or we see somebody blind with the, the eyes milky walking towards you and saying, pray for me. They say, go get pastor. Okay? Or they are noting, but you got the power. Amen? It's every one of us. Keep it simple. Amen? Act on it. He gave us the power and authority to heal all kinds. I don't know if everyone you pray for may never be healed, okay? Not all of everybody. But you don't know what their background is, okay? You stay with what you know. Let God finish. You be obedient and let God take care of it. Sometimes we feel like when we pray for somebody, if we don't see instant results, we already go back to our unbelief. Well, I guess God's not healing. But sometimes Jesus said, they shall recover. That's the word Jesus told us. He said, lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. But once we don't see that, especially for Christians, I was discussing with somebody, when I'm dealing with unbelievers outside the church or people who come to church that are not Christians, they want to see instant. That's what convinces them God there. But for us, we can lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. And James tells us in James chapter 5 that if we pray the prayer of faith, the Lord will raise the sick, right? Raise the sick, he will heal them or they will recover. That's for us so that we stay constantly well. And the miracles or miracle healing, that's for them outside. They see it and they say, the Lord is God. Amen? Just like with Elijah. The Lord is God. And then he tells them there is a God. There's something going on. But for us, God wants us well. Because the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. That's what the scripture tells us. Look at what it says in verse 7. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is near. Then look at what it says. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Now, leprosy was incurable in his day. That's what he's saying. Make them well. Raise the dead. Wow. That's exciting. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So you have received this authority freely. He says, I didn't feel like I received anything. But he spoke the words to us. These things were recorded for us. And you have to act on it. You can cast out these demons. And so that's the twelve. And then in Luke 10, he called 70. So we don't say, well, that's for the, own, the 12 apostles. Now, he multiplied that and he gave us 70 people and sent them out two by two and told them to do exactly the same thing. We don't know who these 70 were. I'm sure included the 12. But these were others that God said, you guys go. And they did exactly what the 12 did. But they were more excited about casting out devils. Because in their time, that was a big thing. That was huge. Healing, that was one thing. But casting out devils, beings from people, that was huge. When they came back, they were excited that the demons left because they prayed in the name of Jesus. And they were so excited about that. Sometimes we think the demons have all, they've all moved from... Uh, the Western world, and they're all in Africa right now. But they're here. They're here. We still have to cast them out from people's lives. 
verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, it says, The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons, we, we healed the sick, we caused the blind to, to, be, to see the deaf, yeah, but, but even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So that's for the believers. And I'm going to go down quickly to Mark chapter 16 where Jesus was telling us that if you believe verse 17 of that, script, that chapter says and these signs will follow those who believe. Verse 17. In my name, again, notice the first thing that comes up every time. In my name, they shall cast out demons. Are you a believer? Yes, you are. If you cast out any demon, yes, you can, you will. You should have. Every believer can do this. This is part of our Christian walk, right? When we walk for God, when Jesus was sent by the, by the Father... And he was anointed of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the things he did. And, and he says, I've got, to, I've got to do this, what Jesus did. What the apostles did. This was one of the things that he did. It's, it, this time he's talking to a lot of people here. Remember about at least 120 pastors, about 500 people. With it down to, to about... Uh, uh, 120 people, but this was Jesus was giving them instruction, probably about 500 people, and he was telling them, if you believe, you'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues, if they take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Every one of us can do that. We can lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Now, I want to switch and start on this. Um, the fact that demons enforce the curse. Curses. When demons are present, like I said, they express themselves. Uh, I've shared this here. I've noticed the, the demoniac who was in the mountain among the tomb, he was cutting himself with what? Stones. That's mountain. Most of the people who live in that area, for some reason, they open themselves to the mountain gods and all of that kind of stuff. People who live close by the ocean, when the demons manifest, <laughs> they're that type, you know, water type thing. You can see that manifest. I can't go too much into that. But demons express themselves. And if it's an immoral demon, same thing. Uh, unclean, Jesus will call unclean spirit. They're unclean. Unruly. These are spirits that have the different things that they do. But they enforce the curse. The curse. There are two types of curses. That will go tonight. Two types of curses. There is the curse of the law. And there is the spoken curse too. The curse of the law and a spoken curse. We'll first talk about the curse of the law. The Bible tells us, I believe in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having been made a curse for us because the Bible says, you know, cost is everyone that hangs on a tree. But notice what the Bible didn't say. He didn't say Christ has redeemed us from the law. That's not what it says. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But not the law. And Jesus was clear about this. If you, if you notice in the scriptures, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And on the, on Ma, the 
uh, Mount of Transfiguration, you got the law and the prophets, right? And Jesus. <laughs> That's a funny thing. If you look at that, I'll probably come to that some, some other time. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, you have Jesus and then Moses and who? Elijah. Well, Jesus talked about the law and the prophets. We got the three of them there, right? The three of them there. It's, it's funny. This is, there is a symbolism here. Notice Peter was, well, you're satisfied. We want to stay here. We'll stay here with you. Uh, we have Jesus. We have Moses. And then we have Moses represented the law. And Elijah represented the prophets. So we got the law and the prophets. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And Peter started saying, well, let's build three boats here. <laughs> one for you and one, so we're just going to stay here. That's religion. And then God spoke. After that, and they were all frightened. This is my beloved son. I'm sure they heard the voice and, oh no. <laughs> they never heard that before. But when they opened their eyes, Moses was gone. Elijah was gone. All they had was the son. And God said, hear him. It's his voice now. What he says is what goes. What he says is what goes. We are in his dispensation of grace. The law, the, if we, the curse, a curse comes into our life through breaking of the law. Back in the Old Testament. When you, when you sin, it comes unto you. We'll come into that. You open the door for a curse. We'll go into that. To come into your life. And guess who is going to... Who is going to operate behind that curse? The enemy. Demons. They enforce the curse. And we're coming back to that. But just to give a, a background, maybe next week we'll come to this. But once you sin... You open the door. That's what happened in the garden. Right? That was the beginning of the curse. From the garden. From the very beginning. Right after sin came the curse. And God just curse, curse, curse. And from then on, notice what happened. Even Adam became, he was son of God. Read in Luke. Now he's a child of the devil. Transfer. Right? And Satan had control over his life. Everything changed. And those demons enforced the curse. So, sin is what opens up the door for a curse in a person's life. But not just your, your life will come back to this. It will not only affect you, but your children and their children which we call generational curses these are some of the things that we need to, to understand so Christ did not redeem us from the law but from the curse of the law and I'm going to read this scripture Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 and 18 do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets that's not my job I'm not setting them aside. If you read in the New Testament, Paul quoted a lot from the Old Testament, from the prophets. Paul quote, you can sometimes you read, you can read uh, second, I mean, First Corinthians chapter two, beginning from verse uh, nine all through thirteen. I had not seen, nor had entered into the. That's scripture from the Old Testament that Paul was quoting. Check it out. He pulled it out from the Old Testament. So God didn't come to destroy the law. Notice what it says. To destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill them. And the fulfillment of that is in us. To fulfill them. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one title will by no means pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So God's still wanting the law to be fulfilled 
in our lives. And then Jesus made it even tougher. If you look at the woman, you lost after her in your heart, he says, you, you've already broken the law. In other words, you open the door for the enemy to come in. So that's the issue here. This is what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is the key thing here. Uh, verse 19. It says, this is God speaking. It says, to the children of Israel as they were going into the promised land. God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death. I've set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. I put them before you. Therefore, God says, choose life. It's your choice. It's your choice. What you have chosen... Your choice will determine your destiny. If you decide not to accept Christ as your Savior, you've chosen your destiny, eternal destiny. It's your choice. God lays it out for you. You can choose. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. What is he saying? If you don't choose life, if you choose the cursing, if you choose death, it's not just you, but your descendants. That's generational curse. That's death generational curse. So that you and your descendants may live. So I said before you, life and death. Where did we hear this again? Life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? I said, so that's why we have spoken curse as well. So we got two. We have the curse of the law and the spoken curse. Life and death. If you keep speaking death over your life, you're cursing yourself. You keep speaking what you see with your eyes, what I feel, what I know. If it's not scripture, you're cursing yourself. In other words, you are opening the door for demons to enforce the curse. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, just to give you this, sometimes I was in my office there, told you, I had to, because it was a lady, I brought my son, he was in the other room, and I was talking, I said this here, so, and it happens often, from time to time, I should say, uh, but I was speaking to this girl, because she came in with uh, a golf ball, and um, some teddy bear, that belonged to her boyfriend, that had died, uh, maybe in an accident. She's a young woman. And um, they said uh, she's possessed. And I could tell she was possessed. She's not a Christian. Possessed. And um, I knew we got to get this demon now. But she was in total agreement with this demon. Okay? And there is no way to get the demon out. And I knew that. It's a principle. Okay? She, that's her choice. So I started preaching to her. My preaching to her was mainly to convince her, that's not your boyfriend come back to you. That's the demon. But she said, no, he has his voice. Familiar spirit. You heard the word? That was familiar with the boyfriend's life. We don't understand this. That was before the guy died. This is a familiar spirit that lives. Spirits don't die. The spirit has every information. If you think you have computers that you can store stuff, those things can store a lot. They know everything. And so it gives her information, and she thinks, that's my boyfriend. And, and, and she is embracing, because they were in love, she was embracing him and would let go, and that teddy bear, that's the physical thing that she could handle, and, and the golf ball was another thing that she could handle that brought her close. And so I was talking to her and telling her, that's not your boyfriend. That's a familiar spirit. You need to let go so we can cast him out. And I, as I was talking to her, her eyes rolled a little bit. And then, if I recall, her, then she spoke to me. It wasn't her. It was the demon. She, 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 she's like, you know, real cocky with her head turned away. And she says, uh, 
you can cast me out. She doesn't want me to go. She loves me to be here. And I said, I'm not talking to you. You know, be quiet. I'm talking to her, okay? And she gets right back to herself, and we continue our, our, our conversation. And then she goes back again and talks. But what's, she, what's the demon establishing? He's establishing to me, she wants me here, you can get me out. And that's just the way it is. If I can convince her to change her mind, which was what we didn't accomplish that, that night, it's easy for me to get the demon out. But again, it goes back to this scripture. I put before you life and death. The preaching of the word is to get you to a place where you choose life. Hello? The word of God that you hear is to get you to a place where you decide, I want that. And then it gets you to a place where it's like, I've got to have this. And God says, you're ready. So the word is to get you to that place. So you choose life. So God says before us, life and death. And God says, choose life so that you will live. So if you choose life, what has God said? You live. There's nobody's going to kill you. Nobody can. And your descendants also will live. Notice verse 20 says that you may love the Lord your God. Amen. When you choose life, you love God. When you choose death, you want nothing with him. You find every excuse not to be around God or the things of God. That's what it is. If you find yourself not wanting to be around prayer, there's something not right. You may have opened the door to the enemy, and that's what's going on. The door to the enemy, so you can get treated and all of that, but there's nothing that can happen until God gives you a new revelation, a new fire, before you can get in. And then you can speak to those forces. In fact, you can speak to them and tell God, once you tell God, I don't want this thing anymore, and you keep saying that, and God knows from your heart, that thing's got to go. When you tell God, I need fire, guess what? He's going to get you fire. And there's nobody that can stop it. Draw near to God, and what? He'll draw near to you. Go away from Him, and you'll never feel Him. Because you have chosen death. Guess who draws near to you then? When God vacates, Satan comes in. Because he wants to be like God, right? That's the key. He wants to be like God. If God's not going to be your God, I'll be your God. <laughs> and you let him in, and you get determined. But back to the scripture. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. That's key word. For who is he? He is your life. God is your life and length of your days. These things are key. These things are key. Goes back to what God says in His Word. The number of your days I will fulfill. The number of your, Exodus chapter 23, I believe 25, 26 there, tells us that. The number of your days I will fulfill. So because God is your life, so when you choose life, you choose God. When you choose the enemy, you've chosen something different. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers. That's a land flowing with milk and honey. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. Oh, time is so far gone. I've got to stop. Stand up. <laughs> I hope... Uh, I'm going to go into this next Wednesday. Most likely I might go back on Sunday because I want to... I want to let us understand that there are demonic forces... That we, that we need to be aware of and this can influence the way you think even as a Christian they can influence the way you think and the way you, the way you feel towards God 
understanding of scriptures. Have you seen people who have been in the church for years and they don't understand and they, they're studying the scriptures? And then they tell you one thing and you look at their life. It's, they just, it's not like they want to be that way. It's just the way there's an oppression in their lives. They have no desire for God. They have just in the world and you wonder, when are they going to have fire for God? They know about God. They know about hell. They seem not to have any fear as to what's going to happen. You wonder why. How can you live that way? Because of demonic influences. And, and until you know, you cry out to God, there is no freedom. So we want to be talking about this. I'm going to be going more into this next time. And maybe some of the things that we need to be aware of. And you can speak to these things yourself and be free from them. I'm not saying somebody said, are you saying Christians are possessed? No. I'm saying Christians can be oppressed. We have to know the difference. And when you are oppressed, you can free yourself. Isaiah tells us, shake yourself from the dust. Shake yourself from the dust. It's up to you. And you can do that. You can say no to the enemy. Let's lift our hands tonight towards our God and tell him how much we love him. Remember what the scripture says. Every time we lift up our hands towards God, God is compelled to look towards us. I say that in Isaiah chapter 1. God is compelled to look towards us and say, Daughter, son, what do you want? I see your hands are raised towards me. He looks towards you. He sees that you are covered with the blood of Jesus. He sees you are a child of God. And he's saying, Son or daughter, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What you ask? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my desire. God, let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Father, we want to thank you tonight. Thank you for your children here, God. God, we cry out for understanding. We cry out for wisdom, O oh God. We cry out because we want to burn for Christ. We want to love Him with everything that is within us. We want to be workers of the kingdom. We want to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We want your anointing to bear fruit in us so that we will go out and do good, healing all who have been, oppre who have been oppressed by the devil. Father, that's what we want tonight. Lord, help us to reach out to the world. Help us to reach out to those around us Help us not to be afraid to speak out when they are complaining and have difficulties. Help us not to be afraid to let them know we have the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the strong tower. You can go to Him and you can be healed emotionally, financially, in your marriage, in your physical life. You can be healed. God can give you brand new organs. We can, we can be, we want to be that bold. For you told us to raise the dead. You told us to raise the dead. And your word will not return to you void. I pray for your children today, God. Let the Spirit of God arise within your heart. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless.